All right, welcome to the Wiser Wealth Management Roundtable. We believe the best financial advice should always be conflict-free. I'm your host, Casey Smith. Guiding you to financial freedom are my co-hosts, Brad Lyons and Matthews Barnett. Hey, guys. Hi, Casey. How's it going? So before we get started, uh, we have some big news. Matthews is getting or is now engaged. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Finally taking the plunge. Exactly. I, I did it. There was a little drama around it. Uh, your dog, Otis, had a... Uh, a moment on uh, uh, what was that show on uh, on TV? Uh, the old guy would be like, "Elizabeth, I'm coming to see you." <laughs> Sanford and Son. Sanford, yeah, yeah, he had a Sanford and Son moment. Yeah, uh, he he didn't like that too much, I guess, and uh, it was causing some drama immediately after that. The following week, getting sick, <laughs> but uh, he's all well, and and we're doing good. Well, we have some engagement pictures up on uh, Instagram and Facebook, so if anybody's interested, you can. Uh, Go there and, and take a look. And our intern, McKenna, uh, she's also got engaged at about the same time. So, you know, we've always been a bunch of old people here, Brad, and engagements just never happen. Now, all of a sudden... Uh, switching it up. We're switching it up. Well, <laughs> congratulations to everyone. Thank you. If you have any marriage advice, you can email uh, Matthews. At- Send it my way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my advice is don't listen to my advice. <laughs> right. Don't do as I did. Yeah. All right, so we're in the middle of a series right now in our podcast, uh, The Five Steps to Have uh, Financial Success in Retirement. This is a white paper you can actually download off our website at the very bottom to follow these five steps to financial success in retirement. There, Five steps are, um, uh, some of them have already been covered. I've been out for a couple of podcasts, so uh, you guys uh, were able to cover managing cash flow, building and maintaining cash reserves in retirement, which is what we're covering today is the building and maintaining cash reserves. And then our next podcast will cover uh, maintaining investment discipline, which is not just for retirees. It's for everybody, really. We meet with lots of people every single week. And very often this question comes up, this is, well, what do I do with cash reserves or how much cash reserves should I have? Or some people think they have very little cash reserves. and They're investing everything because cash reserves aren't paying much money right now. So I guess we'll start with how much cash reserves do you need as a retiree? I think it's calculated a little bit differently than maybe how you're doing it when you're working. When you're working, you're thinking about if I lost my job, how do I replace my income for a certain amount of time? And that's not really reality in retirement. You've already lost the job, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's all emergency reserves. <laughs> it's all emergency You left reserves. that way behind. <laughs> <laughs> so you've walked away from the job. How much do you have to have? And I, I think there's two categories. There's how much emergency reserve you have personally and inside a checking account. And then there's how much emergency reserve there is inside your investments. If you're withdrawing money uh, from your IRA or a brokerage account on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, the, the thing about, you know, having an emergency reserve in, in retirement, you have to kind of separate what is an investment versus what is not an investment. So if cash is just sitting on the side and it has a purpose other than to be elevated to another higher return stream, it's really not an investment. It can be sitting in a bank or it can sit in a money market fund. And all it does is it provides the individual, the owner, with the ability to perhaps, we're going to say, sleep well at night, knowing that if an emergency comes up, there's cash available to meet the demand at that point in time. And we were talking a little bit earlier, just naming off some emergencies. A lot of them have to do with our homes, a new HVAC system. I had to have one put one in, a new roof. I've had that done. That's not fun, but it needed to be done. And the money was there. I utilized it. I got the new roof and I moved on without having to disturb 
the rest of my investment portfolio. That's right. We see a lot with uh, you know car issues or sometimes just random health events that you hadn't anticipated as well. Another thing we're getting a lot with the cash reserves, like you mentioned for emergencies, is people saying, well, what are my options here? And unfortunately, it's supposed to be for emergencies in a cash-like liquid investment. So with historic interest rate, low interest rates, um, you know, the point of it's not to get a higher yield is to have access to that when you need it. So you might be getting less than half a percent, but um, you know, that's not the point of it to, to stretch for yield. That's right. If you start stretching for yield in your, in your cash account, you're putting that money at risk. Right. It just is. So there's really two different types of reserves. There's the emergency reserve, uh, which I think for most average families, uh, I would say should not be less than $50,000. And then for families with higher income in retirement, you're probably looking at uh, something closer to 100. We have clients that need to have 300. So it, it just depends uh, on your unique situation. But I'd say no less than $50,000 should be an emergency reserve trending toward the higher end. Uh, and that's future car replacement. It might be a once in a lifetime trip that, uh, that comes up. That's an opportunity. So the question is also is, do you keep building on that reserve? Well, that's a good point because look what happens even at a low rate of inflation, even at a 2% rate in 30 years, you know, the cost of goods and services that you can buy with that $50,000 today, is going to cost a hundred thousand dollars. Okay. So the answer to the question is, is yes, you probably should continue to add to that, perhaps not as a higher aggressive rate that you were during your working years, but nonetheless, continuing to add to it to offset the cost of inflation that for future years. The other type of reserve is more for portfolio reserves. So we've talked about this quite a bit and various podcasts, but our unique way of handling reserves on our end for clients is we're going to keep two years worth of cash need uh, available at all times inside the portfolio. So if you have a million dollar portfolio and you're pulling $50,000 a year out, we're going to keep $100,000 in a reserve account inside the portfolio that it's available for uh, monthly withdrawals. So the whole idea is if the market falls, that you don't have to liquidate the fund at a loss, right? Brad, you're in charge of this process. So you can describe uh, we call it the cash bucket system, but you can describe that to our listeners and, and how we manage that. Well, you're exactly right, Casey, that the idea is that you want to have the cash available for a known specific purpose, and that being withdrawals on a monthly basis to provide income to the, the asset owner. What we don't want to do is have those reserves you know, exposed to any risk in the marketplace. And at the same time, we want to have the rest of the portfolio growing in order to offset inflation in the future. So by creating this cash bucket reserve program, what we're doing is taking three to six months and putting it literally in cash. There could be the money market associated with the account. It could be the federal insurance deposit program in the account. And then we're taking anywhere from six to 18 more months worth of reserves and elevating them slightly to a cash-like vehicle to increase the rate of return that they can get on this in order to get a little bit of interest on that money. Now, in today's environment, we watch this very carefully to make sure that we're not exposing that money to any risk or any fluctuation in value. But nonetheless, we're trying to get a little bit of extra income there. Every three months, we're reviewing this cash bucket program. And the decision by the investment committee is made relative to, do we sell off the cash-like instrument to recreate the three to six months of cash for future withdrawals? Or has the portfolio grown? Do we harvest some gains in the portfolio and sell off three to six months more of the portfolio gains 
and put that into the cash like vehicle or into cash in order to supplement the, the income need. So it gives us the opportunity to look at the market at any given time and determine whether or not the portfolio has gains in it or if it doesn't have gains in it, we would utilize the cash vehicle for future income withdrawals, allowing the market to go through its natural process of ups and downs, waiting for the future to where the market would come back and replenish the, the valuations that we saw decline slightly at the point we looked at it. So on a constant review basis, we're looking at maintaining anywhere from 18 to 24 months of cash or cash-like vehicles in an investor's account that's taking withdrawals for income. And that helps address a lot of retirees, what's called sequence of return risk, which is a big deal for retirees when, like you mentioned, when you're withdrawing from a portfolio while it's down, especially in the first few years during retirement. So that has time to, to rebound and you're not taking from the principal of the account. We mentioned it before in the past that, uh, you know, market downturns are going to happen. Uh, there's a 5% drop uh, a couple times a year, about three to four times a year. Uh, there's a 10% drop annually. And these big bear markets of 20% actually occur about every five or six years. So uh, you know, they can last like last year, uh, just a month, or they can last a year. So these are going to happen. So it's important to to plan for it and then uh, establish the right behaviors uh, when that does happen. So I think it's safe to say if, if you're a do-it-yourself investor, that you're not going to just keep six months worth of cash reserves. You're probably want about two years worth of your income. You really do, because it's very uh, unsettling for an investor to sell securities when they're down. It often happens. We see it again and again and again. But what we want to do is apply professional investment principles when we're managing these portfolios for our retirees. And we want to utilize the ups and downs in the marketplace to our advantage rather than to our disadvantage. If we're selling securities out of a portfolio during a down market in order to provide income, it's the reverse of dollar cost averaging. A dollar cost averaging is a way to put money into the market and take advantage of the swings of the marketplace by buying more shares when the prices are down and fewer shares when the prices are up. The same thing occurs on the reverse. If you're selling shares when the market's down, you're having to sell more shares to provide yourself with that income, allowing fewer shares to increase in value to bring back the account to valuations that, that you want to see. So we want to avoid the ups and downs in the markets during retirement, during our accumulation years for using dollar cost averaging, for example. And we do this in our 401k programs. So as people are building their retirement accounts through their 401k, they're putting money in on a regular basis, taking advantage of the ups and downs in the marketplace to buy more shares when the prices are lower, fewer shares when prices are up. Well, essentially with our system, we're only selling when it's up. Because That's right. We're only taking the gains and replenishing the cash if the market is is near its highs. If it's not, then we're pulling from those reserves. That's right. It gives us the opportunity to choose. Yeah. Based right, upon right. the economic environment and stock market environment we find ourselves in. Correct. Going back to my point earlier, if you're a do-it-yourselfer, whatever your income is for the two years, less your guaranteed income. So Social Security pensions used to track that from, from the need because that's coming from a outside source but you would keep that in your in your reserve and then occasionally if you have to go there for an emergency you know that you have to build that back but you only you only fill that back up from your investments as opportunities present themselves we talk a little bit about the idea that you know there's an income gap that we use our portfolios for so other than our secure sources of income, so Social Security or pension or annuity income that we may have, it's that gap that we're covering from our portfolio. Yep. Yeah. And the last point that, that I can make is is peace of mind. Just know, it, it's just like, you know, why, why do you have your primary home paid off? 
Well, in retirement, it's peace of mind. Same way for having reserves. If you don't have any debt, you've got uh, plenty of reserves, then no matter what the market does in your retirement, you really shouldn't have any anxiety over that if you are if you have the right portfolio. That's true. And that's how we, we match up our portfolios to our required rate of return for our investors, but also relative to their tolerance for investment risk. Triangulation of those three things really makes for a successful investment program. So we're looking at the need from their portfolio. We're looking at the risk in the portfolio. And we're looking at the investor's ability to withstand that risk. All right, guys, good conversation. Uh, again, you can download our five steps to financial success and retirement on our website, the very bottom. Uh, just enter in your email and you will get the uh, PDF sent directly to you. Brad Matthews, thank you. Talk to you next time. Thank you. Great. Thanks for listening to the Wiser Roundtable podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening. That way you don't miss out on new episodes. Head to wiserinvestor.com and reach out if you have any questions. We would love to hear from you. Today's episode was produced and edited by Lilton Moore. Wiser Wealth Management Incorporated is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.